Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. The last couple weeks, including this week and the next, I'm sharing with you four lessons, mentoring lessons that I grasped from my time with uh, John Maxwell at the end of last month. Uh, I, I don't want to presume because often people come in and out a lot of church, so uh, I don't I want, don't want to take a lot of time reiterating it. But John Maxwell is is known for leadership around the world. He, in anybody's list, he's got to be in the top three, and most people the top leadership expert in the world. As he sold over thirty five million books on leadership, but he's lived it. He hasn't just just taught it. Now, I never dreamed I'd have the opportunity to spend that that amount of time with him, but five days and literally. Hours upon hours upon hours of with seven, eight, nine people right around there, half business people, half pastors, and he just poured into us over and over again. But as I was sitting on the plane, I thought, and I thought, God, how can what's happening for me now? How can I leverage this for the people that I serve and add value to them? And I realized as I prayed about the times that we would share after that, 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 that to spend just four weeks and and take you into the life of what I'm calling today the life of a kingdom building multiplier. Say it out loud, multiplier. Every one of us are called to multiply. And I wanna bring you into the things that I saw and that I learned and the things that he taught us. And I want you to get it from somebody who is living it. But here's the key. The reason it was so impactful to me to share with you what I observed and what I heard and learned directly from, from John Maxwell is this, is that John is doing what he's doing not from a ministry position, but from his secular position. He has three uh, secular companies that are for-profit, and he has one non-for-profit. And all of the other ones exist to help the other, the, the non-profit do what it's supposed to do. But he's not known around the world for the non-profit. In fact, I, I've read after him for years. I had no concept at the level of what he was doing in the earth. But I realized that everything God was doing to grow me was ultimately for me to help grow you. And I didn't realize that I was spending time with what may be the, one of the greatest evangelists as well as kingdom builders alive on planet earth but he was doing it fully from a secular position why is it so important because i think sometimes when you hear a pastor talk about building god's kingdom there seems to be a divide like my role and my influence is so unique and different from the one you live in that it's kind of hard to cross that that bridge but John basically was spending time with us and he would often pivot from talking to the pastors and he would speak to the business people, the men and women that were along on the trip. And he would stop and he would talk to them about their influence in the world. And, and John is known for a statement that leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. So when I talk about leadership, I don't mean you're running a company. I mean that God has given you a sphere of influence in your life. Do you know how and are you leveraging it in the manner and the way God's called you to do so for God's kingdom. And, and John basically said this to all of us, but he was mainly saying this to the business guys and ladies. He said, remember this, guys, that to, as a person who's called to build the kingdom of God, you remember this, your, your, your vocation is nothing more than a temporary or short-lived or temporal platform from which you can build God's kingdom. That's all it is. The, the difference between you and these pastors is your vocation. But you are equally called, as they are, to use your platform to build the kingdom of God. And he said, and he's talking to the business guys, and I'm trying to bring you into the mind of a world-class leader, a world-class kingdom builder, and a world-class multiplier. 
as he said to these guys, he said, listen, he said, how many houses do you want? How many, how many things can you do? He said, the world, here's the arc of the world. You work to get to a point of retirement and then you just go golfing or something till they die. He said, really? Because that's king, kingdom people keep building until they die because they're not building for themselves. He said, what do you want to do, golf the rest of your life? Really? Is that what you want to, you did all this and you're going to leverage it so you can go sit down somewhere? And he said, don't, don't waste your life. Don't waste the last part of your life, which will be the best part of your life if you'll leverage it for God. And through John's secular influence, he has leveraged that sec- secular influence to lead literally multiplied tens of thousands of people to Christ. Now listen, and he's done it by applying leadership laws that are found in Scripture. Say it out loud, leadership laws. Now remember this, a law is just a constant. The law of gravity is a constant. It is the same here and anywhere on the planet. It exists the same today as it will 100 years from now and 500 years before. Because of the constants and the absolute predictability of the law of gravity, we can fly. The laws that govern flight are based on the immutable laws of the law of gravity. And when you take the law of gravity along with the law of flight and lift, planes fly. And I don't know if you've ever gotten one of those and think, this makes me nervous. But it's so predictable because the laws are immutable or unchangeable. And John has built his life living those laws. He's taught those laws, but he, in the secular world, he never says these are from the Bible. But he leverages it at the end of these meetings. And we had the privilege of seeing it in Paraguay where he... He literally leveraged it to where 14,000 of leaders, leaders in a nation of 7 million people gave their lives to Jesus at the end of a secular conference. Imagine that where he just stopped and said, I'm done. Everybody's welcome to go. But if you want to stay in 10 minutes, I'm going to talk to you about my relationship with God and where all of this came from. But you're welcome to leave. I was in the room. No one left. 14,000 people in a nation of 7, 7 million. And these are leaders gave their lives to Jesus. And he's about to do it right now. He's working to do it again in, in Brazil, where is, but a nation of 230 million. He is an absolute multiplier. And I want to bring you into that world. And again and again, he basically said these words. Do you understand why you exist as a Christian? And, and he said about churches, and he was pretty harsh on all of us. He said, pastors, I love you, but I have to tell you, I hate churches sometimes. And that's not a happy thing to say. He said, let me tell you why. Because they don't know why they exist. Most of them exist to have a weekend service. He said, really? Jesus died so you could come and sing and listen to one of you talk and go home? And that's why most churches have no influence. Most churches don't live beyond their walls. Most churches don't multiply. He said, I want to help you not to do that. You were made to multiply in your life. And he said, godly leadership, regardless of your vocation is to take people out of the hands of Satan and place them into the hands of a loving father. This is why you exist. Because there really is an eternity on the other side of this life. Now today, October 17th, we are celebrating our 28th anniversary of the founding of this church today. What, a, what, a, what an honor, man. What an honor. 28 years of absolute kingdom multiplication. But I want you to know it didn't start with that understanding. About a month or so, it was in September, we, we started in October, of course. I was at a, my best friend's church where he was opening their new sanctuary, their new building. 
And I was so happy for them and it was thrilling. But I remember as the service was going on, I was sitting with this family and, and this, this almost kind of grief hit me because I knew what God had placed in mind in Michelle's hearts, that we were going to come to Cranberry and it was in our hearts, not just to, to, to reach the city, but the region. And, 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 and God would somehow leverage our lives to touch the, the entirety of the Northeast. And I'm thinking of this massive thing that, 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 to desperately rescue people that's so burning in our soul. And as I sat in that service, this thought hit me. This is impossible. Look at this building. How will we ever get from this in my heart? To, I had no clue of what to do. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed. And if you're going to leverage your life for God, I promise you, circumstances around you are going to leverage themselves against that purpose. And you're going to have to make a decision of what you do in those moments. Now, when we came back, and again, I'll tell you this, I didn't know then what I know now. That's simply this, that multiplication never happens alone. Let me say it again. Nothing multiplies alone. Now, God has an individual influence for your life, but it will never come close to the influence that we will have together as the corporate body of Christ. And I didn't understand that when the church began. And we did our very best. But as I began to grow and learn in these things in these last 28 years, we honestly have seen absolute multiplication. And it's the beginning of the multiplication. It's not the end. We are about to launch into a whole nother level of multiplication. Because that's what God has called his people to do. And for 28 years, the down and out, the up and out, the middle and out, because everybody without Jesus is out have been rescued by the power of God. It's been remarkable to see. Marriages restored by the thousands. Do you know the joy of, he said, well, pastor, did you and Michelle do those meetings? No, people all over our church serving families that are in distress, helping marriages that are broken and fractured come back together and people whose marriages have been already broken. To have their life rescued from that brokenness. And not let something that happened behind you define you. That's why we say again and again and again that we exist to help all people realize God loves them unconditionally so that you can come to know God and then find freedom. Freedom is when you are free from your past. Because if you can't get free from your past, you can't do the third thing, which is discover your purpose in the earth. And then lastly, to make an impact with your life. And we've seen thousands of marriages put back together. We've seen thousands of bodies healed. Student ministries literally raised up that are lifting and raising up world changers. Let me take a moment and talk to Meadville and Newcastle. So what about us? When it, when's victory going to bring it here? Listen, guys, come here, close, closer, listen. We're not. Oh. We're not doing any of it. Oh, what do you mean? God has called you to do it in your city. We aren't bringing something that you don't have. God, the gifts are there. The talents are there. The passion is there. The purpose is there in everything that God has done here for 28 years. He's going to do there and it's going to multiply in Newcastle. It's going to multiply in Meadville because you are called of God to be a kingdom builder in your city and you are going to be the ones God uses. That's what he wants to do. Tell me, Bill, in Newcastle, how much you believe in what God is going to do in their life. Come on. Man, come on. We have seen thousands of people set free from addiction. Literally thousands of people healed by the power of God in their body. Tens and tens of thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ. 
passed from eternal death to eternal life. What an incredible honor and incredible privilege. And I want to again tell you, Newcastle Meadville, that impact is going to happen there through you. There's no rescue coming. You are the rescue. I don't care where you're at in your life today. Upside, downside, inside out. God wants to use you. And he's going to rescue that city. And you're going to multiply in Meadville. You're going to multiply in Newcastle because God's called you to do it. And you're going to see things bigger and larger because it's bigger and larger than you. And God's going to use you to do it. It's incredible. And in the next 10, 15 years, through the influence of Victory Family Church, we are going to help and come alongside others and we are going to see this happen. Listen to me, please. I'm telling you a vision from the heart of God. 1,000 cities in this Northeast that will have life-giving churches planted in them. And I mean churches that make a difference, not have services on a weekend. And that's what we get to do. That's called being a kingdom builder. And it is absolute multiplication. But it never, ever happens alone. Never. Jesus revealed in his life and ministry the leadership model of a, 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 of a multiplier. And, and I, I don't say this to criticize people because it didn't, the erroneous part of it didn't come from, if you will, the people sitting in the seats, but in, in, in the people standing here. Is that in the seminaries of our world, people are taught the exact opposite of the, of the multiplication leadership model that Jesus himself showed us and modeled. Most people come to church with an expectation. It's the exact opposite of what God called us to do. The average person comes to church and they think they come to church. They have a professional minister and that minister does the work. And they come and they just give him or her the list. And for, forever. And, and, I, and I'm not blaming people. It's, it's, it's the, the fault. It's standing behind these. Pastor, can I tell you what the church needs to do? I said, sure you can. And then they give me their laundry list. And I say, they say, what's the church going to do about it? I said, nothing. Oh. I said, you came to me. It's in your heart. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do about it? Well, I'm not a minister. I said, I can show you in the Bible where you are. I can show you in the Bible what you just asked me to do. It's not in the Bible. Do you know I'm called a coach in the Bible, not a player? Do you know the pastors are to prepare God's people? To do the work of ministry, not do it. I'm a coach. You go to a ball game, watch the coaches play, you leave it. And it's why most churches have no impact. Because the people meant to be playing are in the stands. Jesus' leadership model was that he spent the least amount of time with the multitudes of people. Then he gave more of his time to 70 people. And then he gave more of his time to 12. And then he gave more of his time to three and he focused on people who would use their leadership. Listen, all leadership is, is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. That he would use, he would pour into people who would use their leadership circle to multiply the kingdom. And he aimed very narrow to grow very large. Multiplication occurs not when you solve 5,000 problems for 5,000 people or 50,000 problems for 5,000 people, but when you create a dynamic where the body of Christ functions and needs are met everywhere through the, through the body parts of God's kingdom, the people of God. Ephesians 4, verse 16, listen, the command, this is a command to pastors, and not a suggestion. He said, you are to function in such a way as this happens, verse 16, that from Jesus, say from Jesus, not the church, say not the church. 
See, because people think of church as like a building or some. I, I'm not into the, the organized religion. I get that. I know what people mean by that. But listen, can I help you? Can I, with all my heart, but I've learned, you look, I grew up with four brothers. I have no sensitivity. So can I just be plain? I can be stupid without help. Let me tell you what's wrong with the church and people sitting in their underwear complaining. Do you know the church is called the bride of Christ? Do you know who you're talking about? Well, I'm a, you know, I'm a, are you in the church? Oh, yes, but I don't, I don't agree with everything. Well, whoop de do. Who cares? And I don't care if you're right. What are you doing to change it? Because your rear end in a seat in your underwear writing in a type does nothing but make you feel good. And it's worthless. But that's what people think they're called to do. Can I ask you a question? You imagine somebody coming to me. Say, hey, you know, John, let me talk to you about your wife. That's the ugliest woman I ever saw in my life. I don't know how you walk in a room with that woman. My God, that's an ugly woman. How many of you know that's not going to be my friend? How many of you know you're going to come visit me, at least at the trial? <laughs> and yet Christians talk to the, about the bride, to the head of the church, like he doesn't love them. I tell you, you are, ever, you are never going to tear down and build up in the same body. Don't, get, don't buy into the stupidity of this world where everybody's opinion matters. No one's opinion matters but God's. Because someday I'll be graveyard dead. And I promise you when I go and I'm looking at God, only one opinion going to matter. And that's just a few years ahead for every human being. And I want to encourage you to follow the leadership model of Jesus. Kingdom builders don't find a need and fill it. That's what we talk about entrepreneurs. Find a need and fill it. And there's a good concept to that. But a kingdom builder doesn't find a need and fill it. A kingdom builder discovers their calling, listen to me, and they obey it. You want Newcastle to rock for God? Find your calling and obey it. So well, we need this, we need that. You need to obey God because when you obey God, you partner with him. Meadville, you want to see that city rock with the power of God and multiply? You find your calling in the body of Christ. Find your calling. Find your calling and obey it. Ephesians 4.16, from Jesus, the whole body, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament will grow. That means people go to heaven, not hell, will grow and will build itself up in love. Now listen, as each part does its work, that is the leadership model of Jesus. An environment where you are released to your purpose and released to use your influence individually and then coming together corporately because a godly leader knows one thing and this is what John said over and over again in so many words he said godly leaders know that you cannot multiply alone it never happens when you're alone Jesus he said to us commands multiplication out of your life he goes I can't stomach it when I'm around Christians who care about everything but multiplying the kingdom to win people who are hell bound I don't understand it I can't bear it. And he goes, it's why I get up every day with a passion in my heart. Because I know that I'm called to change the eternity of people. Jesus commanded multiplication. He said the last thing he told us, go get me the whole world. Not a corner, not a sliver. Not your little group you get to play over here church with. He said, you leverage your life to go into the world where people are far from God people that may even hate God and hate you and you serve them and you love them 
and you let God leverage your influence and your part in the body to reach people. And then this is one of the most impactful things I gathered from him. He said, you remember this, it's you, not God that defines your impact in this life. Listen to me, I don't care where you're at in your life, whether you had it hard growing up, and I'm sorry if you did, because life can be miserably unfair. I don't care if you're in, in, on the top, on the bottom, in between. It is you, not God, that will define your impact in this life. It is you as a Christian, not God. God will not violate your will. And he said to the business guys, your impact, if all you do is build this big old thing and die and give it every to your kids and then they blow the money. Are you serious? He said, your impact is supposed to be more than this. Every human being was made to have impact. And he said, you remember this. He was talking, I think, more to the, God, to, the, to the business men and women. But in essence, he said this. Godly leadership isn't defined what, you, what sticks to you, but what can pass through you. And he wasn't just talking about money and good things. He said, life will want to stick to you. Sorrow will want to stick to you. Pain will want to stick to you. But you can't. You've got to let it pass so that you can stay focused on building the kingdom. Because when you build the kingdom, you listen, you understand that you are joining hands with the God of all creation who desperately loves people. And as you water other people, God will water you. And so many people are crying out for the help of God when the help of God is to go through them and then to them. But they want to start to them first. He said, don't believe that lie. And he gave us three simple things. He said this, if you develop and think only about yourself, you may experience personal success. He said, though, but if you develop and pour into a team or a group of people, you can achieve some growth, growth, and, and you and that team and the people that they maybe are directly, you know, connected to, they'll experience some impact and blessing. He said, but if you will develop and pour into leaders, now remember, a leader is not running, running something. A leader is a person who has influence, and every one of us have influence somewhere. He said, if you will develop people who understand they are called to leverage their influence for God, he said this, you can achieve explosive growth and multiplication. And you will not only change your world, God will use you to change the world. And he said this sentence in so many words. He said, without the why, the price will always be too high, guys. Until you know why you're to live this way. It will only be something that you have to do for God. And it will feel like a burden. And I just, he was such a precious, he's such a precious man. He said, do I look burdened to you? Do you know anybody 74 having more fun than this? He said, I promise you there might be some on that are having as much fun, but not more. He said, when the why captures your soul, you will live in a way that will change your life and change the world. But without the why, the price is always too high. Jesus literally defined the why of a kingdom builder when he looked over the city of Jerusalem and he, and he wept and he mourned over it because he saw them. And listen to what he said over Jerusalem. And this why needs to find a lodging place in my soul. In Matthew 23, Jesus said, verse 37, he said, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, and stones God's messengers. How often I have longed and desired to gather you together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now look, your house is abandoned and desolate. He's not talking about his 33 years on the earth. He's God. Jesus 
said to the re- religious leaders and they didn't like it. He, they said, you talk like you, you, you knew Abraham. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am God in flesh. And they said, you make yourself equal with God. No, he was God in flesh. He said, do you know from the heart of God himself, do you know how I've longed over the city of Jerusalem to help you and to serve you? And I've sent you messengers and you've rejected them. I sent you prophets and you killed them. And yet I still long for your freedom, but you won't let me help you. So now your house is desolate. A kingdom builder understands the longing of the heart of God. That the why of Jesus becomes my why. He said, guys, Jesus' why must become your why. You have to have a longing, a deep desire for the freedom of people. Not people you, that you may appreciate or, or even like. People that hate God. People that may despise you. He said, Christians are worthless because they become the opponent. They've given their life for the silliness of issues and opinions. When a savior died, why don't please don't waste your life? He said, I'm not saying your opinions are necessarily wrong. He said, but you were made for more than this. And then he, in essence, said this, and this was as much by observation as anything. Don't narrow your life to the power of one. That's what the world teaches you to do. Live for you, you're for no more. Don't narrow the influence of your life, the outcome of your life, the purpose and impact of your life to just the power of what one person can do. Leverage your life along with other believers to obey the head of the church and let his love that that pours through him pour through you. Paul wrote the church of Corinthians and he said this in 6, 11 through 13. He said, dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life we didn't fence you in the smallness you feel comes from within you your lives aren't small but you're living them in a small way I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection open up your lives live openly live expansively and in essence that's what John was saying to us live your life beyond the one live your life beyond your success live your life beyond your pain beyond your pleasure, beyond your failures, and live expansively and leverage, this is so important, leverage everything God has put in you, everything to serve the kingdom of God and people. Leverage every opportunity you have in everyday life, in your secular world. Leverage it for God, leverage it for God. Not by walking, getting on a desk and preaching, Talk to people about your life. When the door opens, share with them what God has done for you. And just, add, can I talk? You want? Can I tell you what gives me peace? And just talk to them when the door opens. Don't push a door. Let God open the door, but be ready. But serve people, and they'll say, "What's different about you? Why do you live this way?" This is our 28th anniversary, and I want to tell you guys a story that many of you have heard already. Some of you have not. That went back to the beginning of the church and this is the why the reason that for 28 years no matter what has come into our life we are going to keep giving away our life because people matter to God and you matter to God and it's multiplied because others have done the same thing 
and that they're doing it and will continue to do it in Newcastle and Meadville. You're just getting started. But the church had just begun and Michelle came to me and, she, and really she was actually at times she would cry about it. She said, sweetheart, we have to help single moms. We have to. She said, I remember what it was like. She, she was eight years old and she was full of confidence and then her dad left and abandoned their family, threw them into poverty and she didn't see him again until she was 18. I remember what it was like after Christmas and everybody talked about the great presents they got and I made mine up. I remember what it was like going to the grocery store when my mother would buy the groceries and, and have to do it with food stamps partially. I, I would run to the car and hide. I remember when she would pull up to the school in that beat up car. I said, let me out here, let me out here. I remember what it felt like to be nothing and no one and empty. And we can't do this and not serve those people. We can't. We can't. All this other stuff is nonsense. And I said, baby, I mean, listen, you have to understand, we were so poor at that point. Poor people were taking offerings for us. We had nothing. The church is just beginning. We have nothing. We don't know what we're doing other than obeying God, leveraging the little that we knew and had for him. And I said, sweetheart, as soon as we can get anything that will do something, we'll start. Several weeks later, I come home. She hands me $1,500 in cash. She says, now let's get busy helping single moms. I'm like, would you get $1,500? I mean, that, that's like a, that could as well have been $100,000 to us. I said, where did you get $1,500? She said, I sold my wedding ring. I said, you, the one I gave you? She goes, it's a ring. These are people. But can I help you to understand something? It's the seed of your life that you don't know how you're going to make a difference. She says, baby, I don't know how we're going to do this. But I want you to know something. When the enemy of her soul thought he was destroying a little girl, destining her for a life of abuse, he didn't know that the, that the, that the Savior of the world would rescue her and that she would run back into that darkness and take as many people out as she could. That's what you're called to do. That's what you're called to do. That's what you're called to do. Leverage your life for where he set you free. Don't you let the enemy set you up and tell you, well, this is no good and you're messed up here. Anywhere he sets you free. Anywhere the enemy says, I'm taking you out, I'm going back in. And that's what he's called you to do. You want to find out where your passion lies? Go back to where your heart was broken and he delivered you. And you run back and you let him use you. But we didn't know then that multiplication never happens alone all we knew to do was what we could do but since then so many of God's people here at the Cranberry campus and it's happening in Newcastle it's launching and happening at the Meadville campus and now just this year what started with selling a wedding ring <laughs> we have given over 1 million pounds of food away this year to people in need as a church Oh my God, what a pleasure. Furniture has been given away. Newcastle, Meadville, it's just beginning. Oh, I can't wait for the Cranberry Campus to come and do it. No, no, God's going to use you. Pastor John and Kara, they are there not to do it, but to get you and lead you and give you the, the opportunity. You go reach your world. Sean and Sarah up in, the Pastor Sean and Sarah up in, up in Meadville, I'm telling you, they're not there to go do everything you tell them what to do. They're there to help you discover what you are called to do. Now go do it and reach people. And we've seen the multiplication. 
literally multiplied millions, millions of dollars have been poured outside the walls of this church. Multiplied millions. We never dream. How could that ever be? Let me tell you how it happens. When somebody is willing to leverage their life and then they leverage other people and let those people come into their calling and don't try to narrow it but expand it and what God can do. Ultimately, in the next 10 years, 15 years, there'll be a thousand churches in a thousand cities in the Northeast where this is happening. And it started by a simple, simple yes. Where is your yes? Where is it that this world is desperate for you? And I, I pray that you hear the echo, not of me or of John Maxwell, but the echo of Jesus. I long to set you free. I long to set you free. I want us to pray together. And at, at, at Newcastle in Meadville, Pastor John and Sean are going to lead you in the prayer as we stand in a moment. But I'm going to then pray over the Cranberry Campus. And then we're going to spend some time and just simply worship God together. That's all. The service isn't over. And actually, this is the beginning of it, really. Because this is when God, listen to me, please. God, by the Holy Spirit, as you worship Him, as you lay down your life, as you say, Lord, show me, open my heart to this. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And when you hear his voice and you obey it, it is the greatest joy on planet earth to watch people's lives change because you yielded to the one who loves the world. It's incredible. Would you stand together with me? Let's stand at all of our campuses. We're going to worship God together as the pastors at the campuses now pray over you. And I pray over Cranberry. Father, I thank you for the precious people here at Cranberry and online. Holy Spirit, move in the hearts of the people that know you. For those who don't know you, they will soon if they choose to. But for every one of us, Lord, help us to understand that multiplication never happens alone. Help us to leverage our, our lives, our secular lives, to multiply the kingdom of God. Break our heart, Jesus, for what breaks yours. The why of your, your coming burn it into mine as we worship I pray that you send each of us headlong back into the darkness that tried to capture us and did the darkness that's trying to take people out that we love we'll run back into that darkness and rescue and rescue the enemy has no place in my life for this church's life or your life none 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 let God be true and every man a liar. We walk by faith and not by sight. And we will see the glory of our God and a great awakening in this nation. Because God is greater than all things. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now let the Holy Spirit speak to you as we worship. Come on, let's worship God together. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.